Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so, please head over to iTunes and drop a rating or review for the podcast. And while you're there, drop one for the Sussex Squad podcast, as well as the My Duke and I podcast. That helps to get our podcast discovered by people who are looking for a Megan or Harry podcast so that they can get the correct narrative about them because we know how much of an uphill battle that can be. So please make sure to drop us a rating or review and let's keep making sure the right story is told. Welcome to another episode. I am B and this is the Sussex set. So this week in the charity spotlight, not so much of a charity. Actually, it by definition is a charity, but it's not one that's established just yet. I am highlighting the Sussex Foundation or what I know about the Sussex Foundation so far. Shout out to Harry and Meghan making big moves. We all knew about the royal split. Oh, I hate to say that. Let me let me let me back up. We all knew about the see see how the press works. They really do try to like they they insert this vocabulary and it just kind of seeps into your brain. No, uh, but it, it does. But um, didn't mean to say it that way. We knew about the royal foundation departure of Harry and Meghan from that, uh, and they are setting up their own foundation. We know that it now will be called the Sussex Royal Foundation. Love that right in line with what we already got from them on Instagram. I like that name. It just sounds classy to me. But um, they are starting their own foundation. I'm sure that takes a lot of work, a lot of planning. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all gets built. And we are learning about the beginnings of the foundation a month after Harry and Meghan left the Royal Foundation. So details are starting to emerge about Sussex Royal Foundation. Their new foundation will be called, again, Sussex Royal. And the directors so far of the foundation are two bad mama jammas. Yes, of course, the current head of communications, Queen Sarah Latham. Yes. And Royal Foundation staffer Natalie Campbell. Peace out to the Royal Foundation. We won't miss you, but we pray that eventually you can stand on your own two feet. But in this spotlight for the charity, what I want to do is I want to shine a little light on the background of these two ladies, Sarah Latham and Natalie Campbell. So let's start with Sarah Latham. As some of you know, she has a background in politics. She was a special assistant to the chief of staff during Bill Clinton's second term. That's that's kind of going back a while, if you will. So <laughs> my girl's an expert. But she also impressed Hillary because she worked on Hillary's campaign in the 2016 election. Uh, she worked for that main stretch of the campaign, which is really the final year over here when you run for president. But the point is, she worked for Hillary when it was crunch time. Yeah, they should have won. It is what it is. It ain't Sarah Latham's fault. But she's worked for the Clintons. She has been on the inner circle of the Obama administration in a way she was an uh, assistant or an advisor to Podesta. John Podesta, you might you might remember that name from the election. Um, 
but she helped to secretly usher in people to be interviewed for Obama's cabinet. So she's one of those people who are behind the scenes whose names you never really know, but they're doing big things out here in the world because they're they're out here with some heavy hitters and they're heavy hitters themselves. So she's also worked for Freud's, which is a PR firm in the UK. She has dual citizenship, United States citizenship, UK citizenship. She was the director in the early 2000s for Freud's and then she went back a little bit later uh, in a smaller role, but she's basically so respected there. She's a PR expert and we see why she got the girls so hot and bothered in the British press. But um, she also worked as a special advisor in assisting the London Secretary of State for Culture, Media, Sport and Olympics between the years of 2005 and 2006 to help get the Olympics to London and they succeeded, girl, because the Olympics came to London in 2012. So like I said, she's basically an expert. She knows the importance of good PR. And you got to think politics is PR through and through. So I think it's pretty dope that she's working for Harry and Meghan. In her role with them currently, she leads their communication strategy Notice the difference in how the Sussexes communicate with the world versus everybody else in the royal family. That ain't no shade to them. Those are just facts. There's a big difference. By the way, if you remember, we didn't really get their Instagram until an actionable actionable plan and strategy was in place. And we kind of knew that's how they rolled anyway. But certainly Sarah Latham was a big part of that. And... We heard a little bit about Sarah Latham and then boom, Sussex Royal was out. It was public. And from then until now, even if you just scroll down their page, you see how well put together it is. You see how there's a clear direction that they're going in. Megan also has a mind for that as well. But it helps to have someone who, and this is just Instagram, it helps, someone, it helps to have someone who can look at a lot of moving parts and can see very far into the future to basically paint a picture of the image you want to put out over time. You know, that takes a lot of details. You know, you got to be detail oriented. You got to think ahead, plan ahead, have certain people in place, people who can actually think along the same lines as you with your vision. And I mean, it's just a lot. So I have no doubts that Sarah Latham is someone who is an expert at that. As the Sussex's communications director, she reports directly to the Queen's communications director. Initially, a lot of critics of this, you know, Harry and Meghan having their own Instagram, Harry and Meghan having their own thing. A lot of critics were saying, ha, 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 you have to report to the Queen. Ha, 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 you're going to be in Buckingham Palace. Ha, 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 you don't have the independence that you thought you did. Well, really, and I know that's what they wanted, but in actuality, that's like they have that independence. Because they only report to the queen. Everybody else reports to the queen too, girl. <laughs> you're not reporting to the queen. You're reporting to her guy. So there's no buffer. There's no muddiness in between the Sussex messages or what Sarah Latham is trying to put out with the Sussexes and the final approval. You know, so she reports directly, essentially, 
to the queen. She is to the Sussexes what the queen's comms director is to the queen. I like that. Can you imagine if the Sussexes had to report to somebody at KP and then they had to report to the queen's comms director? (laughs) That's really what the haters wanted, I think. But, you know, Queen Sarah said no. And so here we are. Well, now in a new layer of her work, in working with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, she will now act as the director, one of the directors for the Sussex Royal Foundation. We love that. We have full faith in her. Sarah's instinct is so on point, and I think her career and her track record shows that over the years. Her expertise is clear, and she has a backbone on her. Okay? All you got to do is just look at the changes. Well, I won't say changes in, in Harry and Meghan because I think they've always been them, but in the way that they are handling the press too. So since they've left Kensington Palace, that has Sarah Latham written all over it. And this is what I love about the Sussex set. It's like with Sarah having a background in politics in the UK and in the US, I often wonder how she came to be recommended to Harry and Meghan. And it also shows the behind the scenes respect from heavy hitters in the world and the respect they have for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. For all we know, Sarah could have been recommended by the Obamas because she's been in their orbit, you know, so and and not just in their orbit, but in Barack Obama's orbit on some pretty consequential things in terms of bringing in people to fill his cabinet, (laughs) you know, so that's kind of big. It says a lot to me about how Harry and Meghan are living in their truth by having the strong, self-made woman be in charge of how they communicate with the world, especially given that communication is really their strong suit. So big up to Sarah Latham. And secondly, we have Miss Natalie Campbell. It is also reported that she will serve as the one of the directors for Sussex Royal alongside Sarah Latham. Now, You might remember hearing about this sis, (laughs) basically, uh, because she hopped right on off the Cambridge boat. And I get it. But after seeing that uh, she was not on the winning team, I can't, I can't blame her. You know, no shade, no shade. But, you know, it's like the Royal Foundation, it became two foundations, you know? So it wasn't just the one that everybody was in the, you know, the same pot. It became two and she made a choice. So, hey, can't hate on that. Natalie was a distinguished aide to William and Kate until Harry and Meghan offered her a chance to take her talents to Buckingham Palace. And um, again, can't blame her because that's what a heavy hitters be. So, Natalie Campbell is an award-winning social entrepreneur. She served as the Royal Foundation's Director of Insight and Innovation. And it is reported that Campbell became close to the Duchess of Sussex while helping her to work on her Grenfell Survivor's Cookbook. You may know it as Together that she did with the ladies of the Hub Community Kitchen. And so personally, when I hear something like that, I think about like what people are at their core. But I think at the core of all of us or most of us is someone who just wants to make a change, you know, if you can. 
and to be linked to someone who you know is trying to make a difference in the world. So, so I can't help but think this lady saw the work that Megan had done with the Hub Community Kitchen and said to herself, oh, she's for real, for real. Like she's real about making changes. And maybe that's something that she and other black Brits or Brits of color have been waiting to see within the royal family. So perhaps her ears perked up a little bit and she said to herself, this is what I'm here for, this type of thing right here. And again, she formed a bond with Megan while working on the cookbook. So shout out to her. There may be more directors to come for the foundation as it expands and grows, but sis is definitely making the right moves. Okay. And, uh, you know, people have tried to represent it as Harry and Meghan stole her from the Royal Foundation. But I put my entire bank account on the fact that Natalie volunteered her services to join Sussex Royal, which I commend her for. So shout out to women who know their own minds. And with that, I have no doubt that Sussex Royal is in good hands. They are building it. And as they're building it out, I hope that they're able to debut the foundation around the time of the African tour. It's in a couple of months, but, um, with PR, everything is timing like rollout. Well, a lot of it is. So I would expect to see a lot more about the foundation between now and then, but I hope to see a lot more revealed around the time of the African tour because they're they're going to be doing a lot of things in Southern Africa and we know that Harry is taking Sintabali and that he does a lot of work down there and they both have uh, emotional ties to Botswana. So I hope that they're able to debut some new things to give us something to look forward to with the foundation. The press loves to call the Sussexes Hollywood and celebrities and they say that Harry's changed but in actuality like when I think about the foundation like imagine having partners reliable loyal global partners like Beyonce Oprah Barack Michelle Jay-Z George Clooney and Amal Clooney the Beckhams even the Clintons and countless other companies who know that their involvement in Sussex Royal or in collaboration with or in partnership with Sussex Sussex Royal, um, it means attention and it means millions of supporters around the world understand that it's kind of like the Disney partnership with uh, the Royal Foundation for the Lion King premiere, something like that. That's awesome. And they're doing a lot of good with that, taking a moment to try to have people involved in replenishing the land population so imagine that with Sussex Royal so I just think they can't lose so all they got to do is show me a donation button <laughs> and I'm in it <laughs> but um yeah I'm excited for them Sussex Royal will be a brand that is instantly recognized and to me, I think it'll be synonymous with all the good that they're about to do like everything is branding nowadays and a lot of times people think brand is a dirty word, but it's really not. Brand is just, it's another way of saying reputation. So whether you're the Invictus Games or Amazon.com, brand actually matters. 
so far, even their personal brands are strong, and I'm talking about Harry and Meghan. So I look forward to seeing what the Sussex Royal brand actually looks like once it solidifies and becomes all that it's meant to be because they're about to do some really, really big things. And so that's <laughs> that's why it annoys all of us that the press tries to distract and detract from that. But let's get to the going zone, shall we? So Beyonce and Megan linked up. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot since it's happened. Um, yeah, like how awesome was that? Honestly, the next day I was like, damn, did that really happen? It's like Christmas, you know? And not like y'all know how much I was looking forward to that. And I, for a minute, I didn't think like before it, like, like say the week before or maybe the two weeks before I wasn't convinced that it would happen. Um, I was just really hoping that it would, but you know, it's like the build up, build up, build up, and then boom, it happens. And it wasn't anticlimactic at all. Like it was everything I wanted it to be. And the fact that we got to see them meet in video and we got to hear some of the things that were being said and we got to see their body language and, you know, I, yeah, you know, it was almost like I had to take a nap. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, but it felt like it because that's just how, like, how much my adrenaline was now I won't say adrenaline, but I guess it was adrenaline. But just how much I loved the fact that my two best girls, like my favorite girls, actually met, you know, and that it was a, it was just, it was a success. It was, it was chemistry, if you will. But anyway, I was just thinking about how awesome it was, and then how it was way more than what I hoped for, and. I don't even know where to begin with the importance of even just the imagery of the meeting, the history of it, you know, but, you know, this is a tangent, but I'm ashamed to say that I haven't always been a Beyonce stan, you know, uh, I've kind of been a passing fan here or there because, you know, girl been making bops for over 20 years, but you know, I, I, I won't really get into it, but I would say that woke Beyonce that we get in, you know, formation and sense. <laughs> okay. And Beyonce has always been woke, mind you, and pro-black, but she hasn't always felt like she's been able to do that without being punished. And girl, I understand. And so I think in me get, getting older and kind of looking back and seeing her perspective, I understood better. But as her career was unfolding, I was like, Come on, Beyonce, why you got all this power? Why you can't? And then formation dropped, which it was just kind of, oh, okay, you know, but it is what it is. But, you know, I've been a stan, I will say. I'll be I've been a stan since formation. But um yeah, I love I love the things that Beyonce is doing and I respect her a lot. I've always respected her business acumen and stuff, but her vision is unparalleled. That's what makes Beyonce so powerful. Because I feel like I knew when she and Jay did that um, ape shit acceptance speech, you know, because in the video, it's the Mona Lisa that they're looking at. And the, I can't remember the name of the award. Maybe it was the Brit Awards. 
they accepted the photo in front of Meghan Markle. And then they turned around and look at her. To me, I was like, oh, Beyonce is really trying to set something up here. And of course, she knew she was working on The Lion King. We knew she had been working on The Lion King since last year. But it's kind of like, oh, Beyonce is kind of throwing shade a little bit because she's saying, she could be saying, y'all might not see her as royalty, you know, or accept the fact that she is your newest royal or, you know, this American born woman of color is the wife of your favorite royal. Y'all might not like it. You know, the British press, you talk crap about her all the time. But we see her exactly as she's meant to be seen. And they gave all the respect. They turned around and they gave, you know, looked at the painting and gave it the same respect that you would imagine they would give a Mona Lisa. So um, I was like, oh, Beyonce setting something up real quick. But I didn't, I didn't, the Lion King didn't occur to me because it was so far off. It felt like, you know, in the future and she had all this other stuff going on, you know, in between then and now was the homecoming on Netflix and the album and all of that. So, but I knew, I knew because Beyonce thinks years into the future, months into the future, she already knew that she was going to come to London for the premiere. And she's basically saying, sis, I'm your sis. So, and Beyonce, you know, she ain't really got to appeal to nobody because she is who she is. But um, I like the fact that she respects Megan the way that she's supposed to be respected. And to me, someone like Beyonce is kind of like the the ultimate stamp of, of approval. Not that she needs Beyonce's approval, but... Beyonce really is showing the world how much she likes Megan, that she's paid attention to how Megan's been treated, I feel. And <laughs> there's nobody who's going to be able to change her mind or opinion about Megan. So I like that Beyonce kind of set that up. Um, <laughs> and certainly that won't be the last time they meet. You understand? It just won't be the last time they meet because, again, how all of the dots connect in my mind, the Carters and the Obamas are very close. Like, Obama's kids, I don't know. This might or might not be verifiable. But I believe they called her auntie one time. <laughs> and that's not really, a, I mean, some people kind of do throw it around. But um, they kind of have that relationship with her, though. Because, you know, Beyonce sung at the inauguration, honey. The first inauguration. So, with tears in her eyes, mind you. So um, Harry is very close with Barack Obama. We know Megan and Michelle Obama just met. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm just saying it's all, you know, the Clooney's are very, very close with the Obamas. And they're also very close with the Sussexes because they stayed at George and Amal's house in, uh, I believe it was Italy this year or maybe it was last year. But um, yeah, so yeah, so it's like no matter how much the press tries to tear them down, their network is just continuing to bolster itself and get stronger. So that was maybe a big part of what was driving my excitement about it. Not to mention the quiet excitement on Beyonce's face we couldn't really see Megan's face when they met but I I would imagine she was pretty excited too and an observation that I made was that 
I feel like they were both nervous to meet each other, you know? But once they met each other, it was a mutual respect. That it was more like, ah, so we finally met kind of a thing. But they were sort of comforting each other, and they probably both had this comforting sort of personality. Definitely Megan, I know she does, because you can tell when she she reaches out to touch people um, in an assuring way. She does it to Harry a lot. Uh, he does it to her too, but she's more, you know, readily going to do that. But, you know, um, they did that to one another during the hug. And it's so weird to just kind of be looking at these minor things about these two people who are meeting that I've never met and they don't know I exist. But it's touching because you know she needs that warmth right now. Her mother is thousands of miles away. And while her team is strong, there was a moment where sis didn't know who she could trust. So it was nice to have Michelle Obama pop into town. It was nice to have people come through that you knew weren't going to judge you, but support you in any way that they could, you know, even if it was if it was just for a brief moment. But the audacity of Beyonce to call Megan her princess and basically leave the entire British press bald. You hear me? It left me bald. I'm not going to lie. But like, what a moment. What a moment. And as an American woman and as a black woman, to me, that was just like such a proud moment because I, I would imagine it resonated with a lot of black American women. You have these Women of color, black American, I, I call Megan black, <laughs> whatever. I never did find white passing in Megan's history. But um, I don't care that she's fair skinned and we see how she's being treated. It's very racist. Yes, she's biracial, but you can't deny that her mom is a strong, proud black woman. Right. Cool. But anyway, these are two women of color come from my country and they're meeting in the highest possible type of position that they could ever be in you know here Beyonce is over the Lion King's music or at least an album she did an album with the Lion King and she's playing Simba guys I know she's playing Nala I was super tired recording this Beyonce is not playing Simba and I don't know why I said that Nala that's what I meant she's a big part of the marketing I even <laughs> This is a huge business, by the way, because Disney owns pretty much like everything now. But I saw ABC tweeting um, once the spirit video dropped, we stand or something like that. It, it was kind of weird because it's a network, but Disney owns ABC. So that's kind of a marketing thing, too. But the fact is Beyonce can do what Beyonce wants to do at any given time. That's why I respect Oprah, because she owns Oprah. Beyonce owns Beyonce, you know? So this is where I also respect Megan because she owns, she, she wants to own her image. You know, she's a self-made woman of color. She's a woman who knows her own mind and she won't be pushed around. You know, even in the framework that she's currently in, she doesn't allow herself to be pushed, be pushed around. So the two of them, together it's just kind of like wow what what kind of things can they do together if they wanted to so it was just a really really powerful moment just for women too because it's just so wonderful to see women supporting women and a woman in real time supporting and you know lifting up 
another woman. Somebody said that the Carters and the Sussexes were the new Fab Four. (laughs) And I say, the Fab Four is anybody that the Sussexes are in a picture with (laughs) that are a uh, kind and maybe powerful married couple or maybe not even powerful, just somebody who doesn't mean them any harm and who are not <laughs> not named Will and Kate, okay? So when you have Beyonce, I'm sorry, Beyonce and Jay-Z and Megan and Harry, they're the Fat Four. And then when we have Megan and Harry and Michelle and Barack, they're going to be the Fat Four too. And then if we turn around and we see Megan and Harry in a picture with Queen Elizabeth, and her husband, Philip, they're going to be the Fab Four, too. But when we see Megan and Harry with Will and Kate, they're not the Fab Four. <laughs> oh, okay. But, yes, I would, I would love for the Carters and, and the Sussexes to, like, hang out all the time. And, like, Rumi and Sir to be Archie's buddies. <laughs> that would be so awesome. But for real, what I found really interesting at the Lion King premiere was how all of those celebrities associated with the film, whether they were musicians like Pharrell and Elton John or, um, you know, Beyonce, how they took it upon themselves to encourage Harry and Meghan. You know, to, to me, it's like, what does that say about the state of things that they felt compelled to come out and say that? Now, granted, I know... Culturally, we are ones who Americans are ones who are just like, yeah, girl, we're going to laugh. I won't say like lavish people with praise, but girl, we finna give you your due. You're doing it big. We're going to say so, <laughs> you know, so where a lot of people were like, oh, Pharrell was really laying it on thick because he was saying a lot of things about that people might have considered personal, like, you know, your love and your marriage and you inspire us and stuff. But that's what he, that's what he's coming from. You respect that man's perspective, but I just thought that like the fact that so many of them, you got to think they're meeting a line of people. Elton John said to Megan, and if you look at the hug he gave her, he did the, you know, the Labee's kiss and then um then he pulled her in. And he said, "You'll be fine." You know? If they weren't attacking her so badly, he wouldn't feel compelled to reassure her in the brief moment that he's going to have with her. That's what I got from it. I got that, you know, people had this moment and they wanted to say, we we love y'all. We love you. We respect you. You know, we are rooting for you, even though they're not going to say so. Don't pay attention to what the press is saying and tune out the haters. They're acknowledging the haters by in a way, by saying, we, we're here, we out here, we, we support y'all, we really love y'all. You know, even Beyonce was like, you know, we love you. And um, that just kind of lets you know that the press only speaks for the press. Like, they only speak for the trolls among them. And even the trolls are kind of, if you look on Twitter deep enough, they're kind of linked to some of the royal reporters, too. But like, It says a lot that people were just trying to, whenever they could, just support them. Even the the regular fans and supporters outside, 
telling Megan, you know, we just thought so much of you in this moment. And we I can't remember the guys. Uh, I'll add him or I'll I'll, I'll uh, link his, his Twitter account. But the one who shared that really great video where she responded to him. Thank you for saying that. And it really felt like she needed to hear it. Like she needed to get get the real perspective from people because what's presented in the press is not true. Like it's skewed. It's not what people think about Megan at all. It's what the press is trying to get people to think about Megan. And I hope the takeaway for her when she got to that premiere and when she left the premiere was that nobody is buying what the press is selling. Nobody is buying what the press is selling. And so there's no reason for her to ever think that people are buying what the press is selling, whether that, you know, that encouragement is coming from celebrities or whether it's coming from people who waited four hours just to get a sight of Beyonce, Prince Harry and Meghan and Jay-Z. The audacity of Beyonce to say my princess, like B might be on Twitter with the rest of us, (laughs) you know, the rest of the Sussex squad cussing out Megan trolls, you know, Megxit trolls on Twitter. Because B knows the T. <laughs> now, B probably ain't got no time for that. But I, I do think B got some dummy accounts. I think B got a dummy Instagram account for real, for real. But she doesn't She doesn't tweet. But um, that doesn't mean she can't go on there now. You can create a lurker account and just kind of see what people are talking about because Twitter is the, the world's watering cooler. Or what do you call it? Watering hole or water cooler. Uh, it's where we, you know, we see what's going on in the world basically in real time. But um, one way or another, B knows what's going on. And I think uh, Miss Tina definitely keeps her ear to the ground. So even if it's just coming from Miss Tina, oh, they treating that girl so bad over there. Why are they doing her? Oh, we know why they doing her like that. The Black Woman <laughs> Network is quite powerful <laughs> and is very, very, very well, very well connected. Uh, so it's just like we have a sixth sense about it. Uh, and I think that's why we we link arms and surround Megan because we see what's happening. So I think Beyonce is definitely a part of that. But uh, I, I, I love that she called her her princess, you know, uh, and I don't know why people call into question whether or not Megan is an actual princess because Google is free, girl. But uh, Beyonce let the world know unequivocally that Megan is not just a princess in the royal family, but she is a princess to the entire world. You hear me? She's a princess in this whole galaxy, the universe, even the multiverse, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, B was like a little girl in that moment. And I so appreciated that because um, little black girls, we like having princesses, too, that we can see and identify with. You know, some an example that I will point to is how Tiana from The Princess and the Frog was like the first black Disney princess. And I went to see the movie just to kind of see what... <laughs> disappointed to find out that for the majority of the movie she was a damn frog but what struck me was that there were a lot of older women with no kids seeing that movie so you know I know it's just kind of bullshit and you know fairy tales and stuff but you kind of got to see Beyonce even just thinking about her own little girls and how they're going to live in a world where there is a black princess. You know, there's a princess in a royal family that is descendant of slaves like they are, even though Blue Ivy already got more money than everybody. <laughs> so she's kind of a kind of a princess in her own right. 
But um, yeah, I love that. I love that. That was like the ultimate stamp of approval. You know, she doesn't need again. She doesn't need Beyonce's approval. But I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty dope. Then came the mess because we knew it was coming <laughs> because the moment would not be complete without the press latching onto something to try to tear Megan down. And the emphasis on the word try because they try and they try and they try and they try and they continue to fail. But Megan said to Pharrell, as we all know, after he said, we cheer you guys on, she said, they don't make it easy. <laughs> Where's the lie? How can anybody argue with that statement, given the onslaught that Megan has had to endure since she's become a royal, since before she's become a royal? So in my mind, Megan has the right to say exactly what she feels. And she's only saying what we all know to be true. Even the people who try to make her life hell know that to be true. So like, how dare they resent her for speaking her truth in a moment <laughs> with someone that she's just meeting in a line, you know? But of course they're going to hang on every word because they ain't got nothing better to do. But uh, not only do they latch on to something like that to sell more papers, they pretend to be outraged. You know, that's it's almost like laughable at this point because we already see the jig, girl. You're only pretending to be outraged and you're using your social media platform to get traffic and engage with people so that that can drive traffic to whatever it is you claim to be so mad about with her saying that. That goes back to some of the same sentiments that people were saying about Frogmore Cottage and that renovation. Well, if you don't like this life, then don't be a royal. Or if you don't want privacy at Wimbledon, then don't be a royal. If you don't want your godparents to be known, then don't be a royal. We subsidize your living and blah, 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 blah. Well, her honesty to me, it's refreshing. And I do believe she made some in the press mad with that one sentence because she embarrassed them. To me, that's what it boils down to. In front of the whole world, she embarrassed them. And it's for that reason that I loved it because she basically made waves, that the kind of waves that they don't want her to make. And God forbid, she speaks up for herself against her own bullies. And I, I feel like if the only thing you can say as a retort to Megan saying, well, they don't make it easy is, see, see, you do pay attention to the press. You do like you've already lost. How childish can you be? <laughs> she has an Instagram page. And while she might not make all of the posts, at the very minimum, she's going to see some of the haters in the comments because she could be signing on her phone. The staffer could be signing on their phone. Harry could be signing on his phone. I mean, who knows at any given point, honey? At the very minimum, she's exposed to some of the hate because she refuses to shut her own supporters out of the comments and just turning off all the comments, which, by the way, I would be fine with. Even if she's not reading all of the articles that are being written about her, she has friends, you know, who do read them. And while they might not just gleefully pass certain information along, some of the lies about Megan have been so outrageous that certainly a lot of that will be brought to her attention, if not her attention, to Sarah Latham's attention. Or, and you know, Harry, yeah, no, Harry reads it. <laughs> so he may even bring it to her attention. Or, you know, even just be mad about something. Girl, I don't know. But my point is, if all you have to say in response to Megan is, you lied, 
you read the papers, then you've lost because you're missing the whole point. You're a bully and you're trying to incite hate against this woman. And you can't say anything for yourself because you know she's telling the truth. By the way, Megan could single-handedly stop global warming and they would still have an issue with it. So I feel like that's just something that they latched on to because they had nothing else. Like Megan was showing that she was riding high. Sis came into the Lion King premiere wearing black but glowing, girl. And so they had to find something. They had to find something that they could take away from that to try to, again, continue to smear her name. For the people who haven't caught on, those are people who are kind of new to seeing all of this. For people that have been seeing this over and over and over, you already know, I don't even get mad at this shit anymore. Those are people who are kind of new to seeing all of this. For people that have been seeing this over and over and over, you already know, I don't even get mad at this shit anymore because you already know what it is. You know, it's almost the press is becoming a caricature of itself. Some of these reporters are becoming caricatures of themselves because nobody can take them seriously at this point, especially when we have our latest example out of the Lion King premiere. And they're never going to bring her down. You know why? Because people's reactions don't lie. It's in their tone of voice when they meet her. It's in their faces when they see her. And shout out to the dude at the Lion King premiere whose mouth is probably actually still open. Um, yeah, no, we were all him. But it shows even on the celebrities' faces who have met world famous people, historical people. It shows in their faces. So to me, it just says that the press will never be able to dim that particular star. You can dim some other stars and you can do it successfully, but you can't You can't dim these people's stars. I'm sorry, but the fact that the press keeps trying over and over and over again, it shows that they are obsessed and these trolls obsessed. You know, and in a way that kind of weirds me out because there's a fixation that's just unhealthy. So whether it's jealousy or hatred that comes from these people, it's still negative energy that's driving the coverage. I've never seen people so eager to feel like they're better than someone we all know they're not. You know, it's kind of twisted. And maybe it's a part of the British press culture to knock people down to size. I'm not sure about that. But um, perhaps they resent her because she's not into that flavor of life. <laughs> you know, she do that doesn't phase her. You know, you're just we see what you're trying to do. It doesn't phase her. So then they try harder. That's weird. That's a fixation. And the American press, while there are biases, there hasn't really been a real sense of just aching to tear down a person, you know, especially someone who's, who's actually doing good things in the world. You know, especially someone who's who's actually doing good things in the world. Over here, there's at least something balancing it out. But in this case, it seems like the only thing balancing the British press out is us and other celebrities calling out the hypocrisy and bullying whenever they see it. On the same token, it also gives me hope because there's, again, there's literally nothing that they can do or nothing that they can write that is going to make me and many others dislike Harry and Meghan. Not this, definitely not the British press. They can't make me do it. Harry and Meghan would have to make me side-eye them. They're the only ones who can make me dislike them. You know, only they have the power to do that. 
just because the trolls are loud doesn't mean that their numbers are really big because a lot of these people have many, many accounts. And I also thought about this too. What if some of them are Russian? And I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but we know that Russia has what they call content farms where there are people who are just posting on social media all day. They're creating fake accounts. They're trying to sow discord among certain groups of people. Brexit lies right within that. Make America Great Again lies right within that. The Hillary emails and all of that. Just trying to sow division in places. You notice a lot of the accounts are just one person or it's just no profile picture and they may be following one person. They're new accounts, but they're, they have a whole bunch of hashtags that are super divisive. So I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I don't know, but it's a something to think about. You, you have to think about those types of things in the current climate that we live in. Not putting trolls off of the hook. I'm not letting them off the hook. But what I am saying is out of 100 accounts, it could be 10 people running those accounts. So blocking them is a good strategy, you know, but my point is, again, we know it's a campaign. We know it's a smear campaign against Megan by the British press. We could implicate the royal family as a part of smear campaign. And then there could be a social media leg to the whole smear campaign. So I'm just saying, think about it, keep your mind open and don't give them any credence. So don't give the British press any credence and don't give these damn trolls, especially the ones online, any credence because the energy is all bad anyway. And for going on three years now, the British press has been trying to hit Megan over the head. And yet she's continuing to have Lion King moments. Their tours are going to be more popular than other royal tours. Megan is going to continue to sell out whatever she wears. It is going to sell out in minutes. So again, sis is on maternity leave right now. She's on maternity leave and she's still selling out clothes so it's like let the numbers speak for themselves she has power and influence and dare I say it the more they write about her the bigger her legend grows because again nobody believes it and all they're doing is making Sussex Squad bigger the people that are going to hate her are going to hate her they're just loud biggest are usually loud right but there are a lot of people who silently support her. <laughs> there are people who don't have Instagram or Twitter accounts, but they got $1,000 to spend on a Hugo Boss skirt or a Hugo Boss dress or what does she wear? Jason Wu dress, sorry. So like that's support. That that Like numbers do not lie. So yes, I hate that they make up lies about her, but they should see that there's nothing they can do to stop people from adoring her because we know who she is and the press knows who she is on the same token, but we know who they are. They know she's not the monster they're trying to create, but they're monsters, <laughs> you know, therefore they try to create one to deflect from the their monstrous behavior. So um, we know they are money hungry hooligans and they don't care whether people live or die. That is the sad part. But Megan doesn't have to worry about her support waning at all at any point. Definitely not in the near future. And I've said it before. She knows the press is vilifying her, but she also knows that when she goes to an engagement, people come out to see her with an energy that they don't have for any of the other royals. So to people who have a problem with that, 
don't blame Megan. Megan is not the one who created that scenario. It's the other royals. And for what it's worth, I hope Megan continues to blame them and show them who they really are because they are thugs. They are liars and they have no shame. They've been that way way before Megan, but now they just kind of kicked it into overdrive. But I don't think the British press deserves to go to Africa with them. I know they will because, you know, they they will cover it. But at first they were trying to shit on Africa, if y'all remember, when the story came out that William wanted to send them away because they were just too popular and they were somehow, quote unquote, being banished. Now it's like they're doing everything in their power to not have to go to Pakistan with the Cambridges. And I'm talking about the press. They want to go to Africa now. All of a sudden, Africa's great. Yeah, let's go to Africa. Yeah, because you know what's going to get you fed. You know what's paying your bills. You know, it's like they're salivating. But I don't see how these reporters look themselves in the mirror and maintain this love-hate relationship with two human beings who are just out here trying to live. Do y'all remember Harry grilling the press in Morocco? Like they went to the stables and they pet the horses and then they walked uh, alongside a fence. The press was on one side of the fence, not the chain link fence. It was like a wooden fence. Um, And Harry and Meghan were walking along the other side and Harry kind of looked each of them in their face he did not smile (laughs) he was really me mugging them and to me I was like oh wow he really does not mess with these people and I get it you know how can you not get it and that's why the Diana quote that's been circulating today on Instagram and on Twitter it resonated so much with people you know and shout out to the Princess Diana Forever page on Instagram who posted it because it's just like the more things change the more they stay the same And her words were spoken way back then, but they couldn't be any more relevant than they are now. And it reads, the press is ferocious. It forgives nothing. It only hunts for mistakes. Every intention is twisted. Every gesture is criticized. I believe that abroad it is different. I'm welcome with kindness. I'm taken for what I am without prior judgment, without looking for blunders. In Britain, it's the opposite. And I believe that in my position, anyone sane would have left a long time ago. What does that say? Princess Diana at that time was the most, one of the most beloved women in the world, let alone in the royal family. She was the most popular member of the royal family, probably within six months of her being the Princess of Wales. But even still, that's tough to hear because you know it's true. And Diana didn't have any protection from her spouse, like Meghan does. But like Meghan, the press was just as fixated on her. And I'll be glad if Harry and Meghan left personally. I would be glad. I'm not necessarily pushing them to do that if that's not what they want to do. But if they up and decided, you know what? This ain't for us. I'm going to be cheering them all. (laughs) I will be happy for them if that's what they wanted. I understand why they don't want their kids growing up with the weight of titles. Because look again, look at how people reacted with the Frogmore Cottage renovations. They didn't react to anything else in the sovereign budget. So imagine Archie being a royal or being an earl, like, you know, was a title that people thought it was going to get. And then growing up and somehow somebody's allocating some funds to him. Oh, you don't deserve it. What are you doing? You know, the same. So they want them to be able to, they are trying to build something that their kids can stand on and say, okay, this is going to get me a chance to build my own life. You know, what my mom and dad 
did in their lives while I was growing up, it's going to allow me to step out on my own without any obligations to anybody else or anybody staking any kind of claim over my existence. Harry is doing everything he can to create freedom within the framework of the royal family for his own family. And I have to respect that. It's just sad that Diana didn't have a Sussex squad to help defend her because she definitely needed it. And I can't imagine feeling as alone as she must have felt. She certainly could have used a Sussex squad, but um, we do help to keep her legacy alive, which is one of the things I love. Moving on with an upward, I'd like to say thank you to Megan for making this the best maternity leave ever. In the beginning, you know, she kept us thirsty. We Understandably, though, because if she was as big as she was when she went on maternity leave, and I think she was pregnant for a whole nother month after that, sis might have been miserable. It, I mean, I guess it's the toll you pay just to get a little adorable baby like Archie. But we had a little drought there. And um, in the last week or two, she's been showing mad love, like with the Yankees game and the Lion King premiere and the Wimbledon appearances and... I mean, it doesn't even feel like maternity leave. And what do we have Troop in the Color too? But like, she's really, like, she's really shining some light on us. Like, I know she knows, I know she know we'd like, we'd be feeding for pictures because, you know, we don't pay attention to nobody else. And so, um, yeah, I think this has been the greatest maternity leave ever. And, um, you know, we have the British Vogue coming up for the September issue where she's the editor. Um, her birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks, actually. It's August 4th. So, uh, yeah, shout out to her. Coming up also, we know that Harry may attend the UK team trials for the 2020 Invictus Games. So, um, that's to happen somewhere between July 22nd and the 26th. But it would be nice to see him out there with the athletes um, as, you know, the 2020 games are now less than a year away. Um, Royals typically take the month of August off. uh, So we're going to see how that looks. But like I said, August 4th is Megan's birthday. So that is (laughs) that that should be a Sussex squad national holiday or international holiday. Um, And here's another thing. Beyonce's birthday is September 4th. And so if you know Beyonce, you know that four is her favorite number. Some people have favorite numbers. Hers is four because I guess her husband's birthday is on the 4th of that month I think it's December I know I'm a fan because I can't believe I know the stuff but uh yeah it is so now it's like Megan's birthday is August 4th and then the year 1981 Beyonce was born exactly one month later on September 4th they're definitely best friends (laughs) so uh Obama's birthday is also on August 4th but um you know what's so weird last last year I posted a picture of Obama just to say happy birthday. This is when I knew it was going to be some shit. Just to say happy birthday to Obama. You know, you were the best president. I didn't say that, but you know, shit, I miss Obama. But on my, on my Sussex squad Instagram, I just posted a picture of him. Uh, and I had posted a picture of Megan right before it to wish her a happy birthday. And people were like, oh, I'm, I'm following you. You're being political. Stop being political. Oh, this is a <laughs> girl. This is my page. First of all. But secondly, it kind of showed me a little bit that there are people out there who just are so partisan and they're so right wing. I was going to say white wing Freudian, but um, 
Yeah. So it's like to me that began to show me that there were people following me just to stoke their hatred of Megan or their jealousy or envy of Megan. Just because I don't know people saying, well, what does that have to do with Obama? Well, I felt like there was a lot of Trump people following me. And we know that the MAGA hashtag and the Megxit hashtag go right together. So, but I don't know. That was kind of a tangent. But I, I, you know, I think I might post another picture of Obama this year in August just to see what happens. Just, Just to see what happens. Because I love Obama. And you know I love Obama. Actually, I don't know if I had a um, single podcast without mentioning Obama for some reason, because I guess there are a lot of similarities um, in what he kind of went through and what Megan is sort of going through. But uh, obviously, you know, they're first in their respective situations, too. But yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, And it turned out I was right. Because ever since then, it's been going downhill in general. Um, people have just really been so, I don't know. It's almost like if you absolutely hate the sight of Megan, then you probably love Trump. How weird is that? If you absolutely hate the sight of Obama on a Meghan Markle page, then you probably don't like Meghan Markle. It's just weird how that works out. But anyway... Expect me to throw a barbecue on August 4th because that's, again, that's the national holiday for the Sussex Squad. And, um, yeah, I think it would be cool. Maybe I'll do an edit for her birthday or something. I don't know if I have time. But that is all I have for today. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you hit me up at Sussex Squad on Twitter, Sussex Squad on IG. If you want to follow the podcast Instagram, it is at Sussex Set. Thank you all again for tuning in and keep shining your light. Until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.